Hello, everybody. Uh, this is your host, Patrick Erickson. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Arthur Company's podcast. Today, we are here with our first uh, guest from uh, one of our one of our partners. I'm here with Grant Merring from Westbred. How are you, Grant? Great to be with you, Patrick. I'm doing quite well. We're in the midst of spring wheat seeding, and it's a fun time of year for me. We're yeah, getting wheat. Absolutely. It's a fun, fun time of the year. What is, uh, Grant, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, my name is Grant Merring, and I am from Fargo, actually North Fargo. Grew up and raised in, Nor- in South Fargo, but moved to North Fargo. I have taken a different route to agriculture. I didn't grow up on a farm. My dad did on a farm by Carrington. I spent a lot of time uh, with my grandpa on that farm, but that's about as close as I get to actually farming. I came into agriculture wanting to work in sciences and biology, and all of a sudden I realized there's a really wide world of things to do in agriculture. So after my bachelor's degree at Jamestown College, now University of Jamestown, I went to NDSU, did a master's degree in potatoes, cover crops and potatoes, okay. learned about that. Okay. Then I went and did a PhD in wheat, actually it was seeding rates in wheat, but it was working in agronomy for my boss, uh, Joel Ransom, who's recently retired. And then I worked as a, a small, uh, maybe for about a year for North Dakota Corn Council, Minnesota Wheat Commission, and doing a little bit of my own research as a professor at NDSU. And then I realized, I think I want to work in wheat. I want to work in a private company. And I came to, at that time, Monsanto, now Bayer. And I work for Westbred, Westbred Wheat, which is Bayer's wheat seed brand. All right, good deal. And I understand you're a wrestler. Am I right? I am a wrestler. Wrestling is probably the sport I did growing up that I have the most connections to. So I, I watch wrestling a lot. I just watched the Olympic trials. And uh, it's just something that uh, really is a big part of me. And, and I'm, I'm a five foot six guy and I am a wrestler by nature. <laughs> you don't still wrestle, do you? Is there? I don't still wrestle. No, nope. <laughs> I have friends who do, but I, but I did get out of it. But I do officiate wrestling. So I uh, officiate in the state of North Dakota and Minnesota and try to give back to wrestling as I can. Yeah. That's cool. So you, re- you wrestled at the University of Jamestown as well, correct? I did. Yep. Uh, I wrestled for three years at Jamestown. I ended up cutting my career short due to a, a neck injury, really. It just yeah. wasn't worth it. But had three really good years and one year where I went to the national tur- t- or national uh, tournament and did well. Didn't, didn't place, but I got close and feel uh, like it was really worth my time and a good experience in college. Cool. Cool. Glad to hear that you're still officiating and, and staying connected. So tell us about your wife and kids. Yeah, so I have a lovely wife, Jenna. Jenna, uh, she works at a credit bureau in Fargo, kind of doing sales uh, for background checks, credit checks, prepaid credit cards. And then I have two lovely children, a six-year-old Nora and a three-year-old Leah. And then I have a boy on the way here at the end of June, so we'll have three kids. And they are starting to really keep me busy. We're at soccer practice and soccer games and gymnastics, and it will only get busier from here. Absolutely. Yep, that's that's good. That's fun. Tell us a little about, about Westbred and what you do for Westbred, Grant. Oh, I would, I would love to do that. Westbred is Bears Wheat Seed brand, as I talked to you before. Westbred has been around in uh, especially the western half of the United States for 30 years or so. And as the name says, Westbred. We really have bred wheat for the western half of the United States. Think Texas to North Dakota, Minnesota, and west for some time. Westbred has had different names throughout history. But in uh, roughly, I think it was 2009, Monsanto purchased Westbred. And since then, it's been run by Monsanto and now Bayer. At Westbred, we are a breeding company. We breed wheat varieties for primarily four market classes of wheat. Those four market classes are hard red spring wheat, hard red winter winter wheat, soft white winter wheat, and uh, uh, soft red winter wheat. So those are our four main market classes. We have some of the niche market classes like soft white spring, hard white spring, but we breed wheat. And, And then we have... Uh, a commercial entity, Westbred, who, who sells wheat. And so my job, 
I'm a technical product manager. Okay. Uh, I'm called a TPM uh, for short, but as a technical product manager, my job really is kind of twofold. I work on the commercial side of our business, and okay. the commercial side is supporting our spring wheat and winter wheat varieties to farmers. We're okay. growing them. Mm -hmm. And then I also work with talking with farmers. What do you want in a wheat variety? What are the attributes you need? And then I communicate back with our breeding program and rank these priorities, yield, protein, et cetera, okay. and help sort of bring better products forward that meet the, the current and the future needs of the wheat farmer in the Northern Plains. All right. Excellent. And it's not coincidental uh, for those of you listening that we chose Grant to be uh, our first uh, partner interview here on the Arthur Companies podcast. We've been a Westbred associate for many years, uh, contracting certified seed acres in, uh, in our Cass County stores for, oh goodness, it's probably been eight, nine years. And, uh, and we just recently started contracting some acres out in our, our Wells County stores of Harvey and Anmu. So your guys' partnership with us and our offering of Westbred wheat to our customers is quite important. So, um, and, and quite honestly, uh, I don't know anyone who's more passionate about wheat than Grant Merring. So, <laughs> well, well, thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it. Wheat is something I think a lot about, talk a lot about, um, without a doubt. I knew it would be fun to talk to you. So, thanks for joining us. So, let's uh, let's talk about what's on everyone's minds here right now, and that is it's it's April twenty eighth, two thousand twenty one. It is uh, about seventy degrees outside, nice day, but over the last three weeks, we've gotten cold. We had a nice warm front half of April, late half of March. And then it just, it turned back into April. It just turned on us. So for the wheat that's already in the ground, Grant, give us some pointers in uh, identifying whether or not it's doing well or not. It has been an exceptionally interesting growing season here in the Northern Plains. There's no doubt here in Cass County, Barnes County, and beyond. There's a lot of things to talk about with regards to the early planted wheat. So I'll just kind of start from the beginning and kind of move forward and, and have some conversations throughout there. Okay. Back in, let's say, March 10th, yeah. I was really talking with a lot of folks, let's plant spring wheat early. We have a, a really a, a situation that hasn't been seen before. We have a quite dry environment yeah. on the whole, and we have an a, a, a open March. It's just right. open and the soils were warming up. You know, if we all remember around Easter, it was just warm, yep. warm, warm. So I was advocating for planting early. And what are the things you need to keep in consideration when you plant early? Well, there was a checklist. We talked through those things. Yep. Well, there was a lot of wheat that was planted early, a lot of spring wheat that went in early. It was, you know, hard to exactly know, but it depends on your pocket. But there was plenty of wheat that went in before Easter. Yeah. Uh, all the way from Southwest North Dakota to, to Minnesota. And then there's been a lot of wheat that's kind of been going in constantly here, even when right. it's been cold. Yeah. So now with that said, what is the conditions of the crops that have been planted? Well, it, we're lucky that spring wheat is a cool season grass mm -hmm. by nature. What that means is that it can handle cool temperatures in different ways, much better than a, a warm season crop, like a dry bean, for instance, right. Well, it has things inherently uh, into its genetics that can do that. So what are those things? Well, let's think about uh, our winters here. Our wheat seed is probably could be stored out in a bin in, in the Northern Plains winter. And here in the River Valley, we can spend two weeks at negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. We know that wheat seed is dormant and it can survive negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit, no problem. So when we have a seed... When it's just at the seed, just breaking dormancy, that is when you're at your most cold tolerant. It could take 
as we said, negative 20, no right. problem. Right. Uh, air temperature is touching the seed. Well, when we plant it in the ground and we get some moisture and we start germinating, which is what happened to a lot of the crop that was planted across North Dakota and sure Minnesota. We, we didn't have the best seed bed, but we did have some moisture there. Mm-hmm. And we advocated for planting a good inch and a half to two inches deep, so there was moisture. When you plant that seed, now what we're talking about is what is the temperature of the soil where the seed is? Yeah. The growing point of the wheat seed stays below ground for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're beneficial to that. You can talk about like in what's been happening in Oklahoma now is their growing point was a foot and a half above the ground and they sure. had a frost. Yeah. We weren't in that situation here, thankfully. Right. But the soil temps cooled down. I've been thinking and, and reading that we needed soil temps somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 at the actual seed level okay. to, to straight up kill the houseweed seeds, okay. to, to really just, just kill them. They couldn't probably take much, much of that. A germinated wheat seed. A germinated wheat seed. Yep. That's right. And tracking the, the soil temperatures, we did get cool. We kept getting cool because it was supposed to only be two days in the 20s for lows. We got 10 or more days in the right. 20s. It got cold. Yep. But I don't think our soils got generally cold enough to kill the wheat seed. Okay. Now, with that said, it has been a long process to get that early planted wheat going. And that is where I think the issue is. This is a year where I do think that uh, what Andrew Frischkopf from NDSU talks about and shows that you can get something like a 7 to 10% stand increase with a seed treatment. Mm -hmm. That's going to help this year because those wheat seeds were just in, they just weren't in that great of, you know, it's just a long time to to kind of sit there. The other thing, Seed size. I think that the bigger seeds this year yeah. will have a better shot at making it. Some of your smallest seeds just don't have enough nutrients in there to, to make it through a three to four week um, yeah. emergence process to get yeah. to the to the sun. And that's where that's where the seed quality of certified Westbred wheat seed matters a lot. And uh, and coming off of last year's harvest, the wheat seed quality was quite high. We had a nice wheat harvest, a nice dry wheat harvest. We had a lot of wheat seed lots in uh, 11,000 to 13,000 seeds per pound, and that's a nice plump seed on right. the whole. Yep. So that makes me optimistic. Now, with, that, with all of that said, I do think there will be some stand loss this year. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge issue, but there will be some stand loss. Uh, I don't know that it got cold enough to really be devastating. Sure. But now, finally, we're going to accumulate some growing degree day units. The problem was in the last two weeks, we roughly accumulated like five growing degree day units right. in wheat. It yep. just was nothing. We were lows in the 20s, highs in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get some heat. And I think that the, the wheat that stalled out, if you've been digging in your field and you see there's just just a, a short coleop tile, a, a small root system, it should start going now, okay. finally. All right. Well, that, that's my outlook. I'm, so I'm as, overly as, positive. As, as we're digging germinated seeds up and determining whether, whether they're alive or not, you tell us, is it, is it easy to tell? It is pretty easy to tell. You need them to be white or green. Okay. White or green in color. If yeah. they are any sort of gooey brown, orange, uh, that's that are mostly brown, that's going to be dead. Yeah. Dead plant tissue is obviously dead. That's that's a fact. Yes. Yeah. And we're shooting for something in the neighborhood of, you know, uh, 20 to 30 plants per square foot if you have seven and a half inch spacing or so. so you know, do, do some math and, okay. and just kind of look at your sand and you should be assessing it because... In, in some small cases, there might be some replanting. You know, one of the ones I've heard of actually is if we planted really early yeah. and then we had those pretty terrible soil erosion days, 
There were sure. some issues in some of our early seeded wheat with just blowing, blowing and we're still topsoil off. evaluating that. Okay. But but I do encourage you to be digging and looking around in your in your wheat fields because we'll know a lot more here in the next week. And in your career, what's what's what are the conditions that you've seen the most replant happen? Well, in 2000 and I'm trying to think back to the year 2015, we planted oh, or was it yeah, 2015, 2017, we planted a lot of wheat in in March. There okay. was a lot that went in. Yep. Uh, even then, I didn't see a lot of replant. So I, I have to tell you that in my five to eight year career in wheat, uh, I haven't seen a lot of replant in, in general. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't have a whole lot it's of, of background. Yeah. I, I think that means it is pretty rare. It, yeah, it is pretty rare. That's that's right. Yeah. yeah. So with a little bit of uh, heat and a little bit of moisture, if anyone out there is losing sleep over their wheat stand, it, it, it's probably going to be just as healthy today as it would have been. Yes. To, to your point, Grant, which is why you weren't the only one saying, hey, it's March. Soil conditions are, are perfect for putting wheat in the ground. Put wheat in the ground. There wasn't a lot of risk, and there isn't now for some time. Because growing point, give us a estimate on growing point coming above the ground with today's wheat crop. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen until, uh, like, June, June yeah, 1st or right. something. First week of June, yep. we, we can sustain some pretty cold temperatures and not lose a healthy plant. Yes, we can. All right. Yep. And we're trending warm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Good deal. Well, I, I think that uh, that covers my questions on is my wheat plant dead and uh, should I recede? Uh, how about pipeline grant? Uh, Westbred, one of the things that we find so exciting about Westbred is that the products that you guys are bringing to the farmer right now are... They're just really good. And it's been a long time in wheat seed before we've seen farmers who obviously been around a, a, quite a bit of wheat seed, buy certified seed, and just say, I don't want anything to do with that bin run seed anymore. This certified seed is so much better. And particularly, the Westbred varieties that we've been selling uh, have, have, have resold. And that says something about the, the customer's experience and the customer's uh, satisfaction with the product. So that's looking back. Um, Tell us about looking forward. Tell us about the pipeline, what Westbred's got coming for us. Happy to talk about that. And that's one of my chief jobs. I spend my summers at our 20-plus spring wheat breeding trials and our 10-plus winter wheat breeding trials in North Dakota, Minnesota, and South Dakota, assessing how they look. What do we have coming in the next couple of years for our farmers to be growing and for places like the other companies to be selling? Yeah. What we have at, uh, at Bayer Wheat Breeding is a very healthy and very large wheat breeding program. Uh, these plots are located all around here. Actually, in the Arthur Company's territory, we have probably three trials that are well within the, right. the area that, that we look at here. And these trials are large. We would have in them five to six years of our pipeline. So that's five to six years away from a variety being a commercial wheat variety that comes forward. Okay. So it's really exciting to look at all of those and evaluate them. Sure, we have really good classes and we have bad classes. It's sure. it's hard. We're getting closer to being elite, but there are challenges in wheat breeding. Yeah. There's no doubt, and especially when we have the popularity of our current varieties like ninety five ninety WB ninety five ninety WB ninety four seventy nine. Those varieties are worst step changes. What in wheat? The exciting thing that we have that we're looking at is yield is the first trait. We yeah. we need yield. Yeah. Yield has to be better with every new variety we bring. Right. But then I have a list that I bring back to our breeding program. These are all my priorities. And I can tell you the order of the priorities right now. Really, it's yield first. Okay. But then we go to lodging. Then we go to standability. If the wheat can yield a, a just 
through to the moon, but it can't stand up, especially in our rain-fed environments where we see lodging every few years, it just isn't going to be a viable product because right. we can, we cannot harvest lodged wheat. We, we don't have a... It's, it's going, we lose combining speed, we lose yield, yep. and it's just a headache that no one wants to deal with. Right. So we prioritize strong straw. The third trait is protein. We sure. need protein. Uh, I set the bar at about 13.5%. You know, roughly speaking, we need to hit 14%, but we know that varieties that are grown there in that yep. kind of 13 to 15 window is what we want. So we prioritize keeping that protein high. Next is disease. Our two diseases that we're really paying attention to are free center of head blight, and bacterial leaf streak. Mm-hmm. You're in the spring wheat market. We want to get FHB, Fusarium head blight, up to closer to a four, three to a four, which is moderate resistance. And we're pushing for that. We're working for it. And the same thing with bacterial leaf streak. Bacterial leaf streak is that rain fed disease where you see your flag leaf chewed up and getting orange and losing yield. Yeah. And we just want to keep that, keep that plant healthier. And, and BLS is, is even more important as we've got good fungicides like, say, Prosaro that are, are helping keep the fungal diseases off our flag leaves, yeah. we have bacteria that can still hurt our yields. So you, you uh, maybe I'm putting you in the spot here, but give us a little uh, prediction. You say this, the step change that you speak of with 9590, which is absolutely true from, from our experience as well, uh, that this is a kind of a new generation of spring wheat, so to speak. How far are we away from another one? Yeah, no, that's that's okay. I get to ask that question quite a bit, actually. Um, what when is the replacement for 90, WB ninety five ninety? Even yeah. as, as good as it is, well, the first thing I would say is that uh, most wheat varieties they do have a six to eight year life expectancy, yeah. whether it's a public variety or a, a private yeah. variety. They they stay on the market for a while. Yeah. So we've got some time left with, for instance, WB ninety five ninety or WB ninety seven nineteen. But with that said, to answer your question. In 2022, we will be looking at some experimentals in the field that are one year away okay. that are quite exciting. Okay. And especially the year after that, 2023, the experimentals that are one year away are very exciting. So my prediction would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 2023 to 2024, we'll, we'll be looking at that next big step change. Excellent. That, uh, that's that's exciting to look forward to. So It, it sure is. I look at it all the time and it, 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 we've got time on our hands, but... People are growing impatient. We do yeah. want to have good wheat varieties. <laughs> the uh, the markets in the last uh, few weeks and months have certainly uh, taken away some wheat acres uh, in our geography. I, I in in our uh, estimate. So, um, with that, I let's let's talk yield a little bit. Uh, when you when you look at a crop inputs calculator, if you're listening, and you haven't seen one of our crop inputs calculators. Talk to your Arthur Company's agronomist or grain merchandiser. But when you compare the crops that are grown in our geography right now wheat tends to fall down to the bottom of the profitability list. It, it, but I think one of the things that we're maybe underselling is that that yield potential with wheat is quite variable and it's quite high. So if someone's listening and hasn't grown wheat for a while and especially hasn't tried a, a Westbred variety, now now's the time. Um, and, and if you would, Grant, tell us a couple of things that you've seen in your experience that farmers have changed to push the yield from maybe 50s to 70s. What, what have they done? Would love to speak on that. The first, the most, the most, uh, there's two ways to look at wheat. It's what it does for yield to your other crops that you're growing in your rotation. But there's the other way of what does your wheat do for you? What kind of yields can you make? Yeah. And so let's hit on that first. What can we do in for wheat yields? There are wide variable variabilities in how a farmer's wheat will do. I have seen in my territory in the Northern Plains, 120 bushel wheat. You know, 110 field averages. I've also seen 15 bushel and acre field averages. Right. So we know the environments are different and they're tough. All right. How do we bring our wheat from 50 bushels an acre to 70? Well, there's a couple big things, but there's also some little things. 
So for me, it starts with doing all of the little things right. Okay. There are free things in essence. They just take your time and thought process instead of, instead of money, instead of inputs. Right. What are those things? Well, when you're going to plant, let's plant well. Let's plant the right depth. Let's make sure we are calibrated, that we're going to plant right. the right seeding rate, that we're not just planting, for instance, two bushels an acre, but we're going to plant the right poundage for the wheat seed lot right. we have. Yeah. Let's look at our fields. Where do we want to be growing wheat? Because we have some really high-yielding fields. We also have some poor fields. Right. And, and it, oftentimes, wheat gets left to the poor fields in, in, in some areas. Sure does. Well, not all wheat varieties do well on the best fields, and not all wheat varieties do well on the poor fields. So variety selection and diversity is key. Don't just plant one variety because if you plant three, we might be able to fine tune those for the fields you are growing wheat and have them all do better because right. you have the right variety. Yep. Now, I am a huge advocate, as we talked about earlier, for seed treatments. I When you're purchasing new seed, especially yeah. a new certified Westbred seed, what a seed treatment can do for you is it just increases your number of seeds that will live. Yeah. A good amount more, 8 to 10% is what we usually see. Okay. And along with that comes a little bit of yield, 2%. Sure. Yep. Now we get into the big decisions. The big decisions are how much fertility do we put on? Mm -hmm. How many fungicide passes do we have? Sure. And those are ones that really have big ability to swing your yields up. Yep. Now one of the biggest downsides to wheat, in, and when you're looking at the profitability calculators, is wheat takes a lot of fertilizer. Yeah, it it's does. not quite like corn, but it takes a lot of fertilizer for the close. bushels. Yes. Yep. Yep. And, but th that, that being said, I'm a huge advocate for putting on the amount of nutrients you need. Yeah. You, if you skimp on your wheat, you will notice it. Yeah. It's you, you most definitely will. Yeah. And the last thing, fungicides really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Now, last year in 2019, this was one of those years where we saw 10 bushel increases with and without fungicides. It was just a, a, a winning year, right. big, big time things. Yeah. And that can be, that's that last thing to really keep your yield ceiling high and allow you to, you keep that wheat green longer, sure. healthier, and end up with more yield potential because you're you're sinking more uh, more UV rays from the sun, and you're going to make make more grain. Right, right. So that's a, a long answer. Uh, the bottom line is, I think wheat is a crop that attention to detail is key. Yeah, you know, I'm not advocating for one big thing. I'm advocating for kind of doing a lot of the little things right. Yeah, and and, and really going. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Another thing I wanted to kind of hit on is in wheat, we often talk about, okay, what is your field average yields of wheat? Sure. How did it do and what's the commodity price? All right, very important. But the other thing, the other way to look at it is if you're in a crop rotation, let's just say you're corn, 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 or you're soybeans, 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 or maybe you have a two crop rotation, corn, soy, corn, soy, yeah. or you add in a third crop, corn, soy, wheat, corn, soy, wheat, maybe you add in the fourth. I've got this thought process in my mind, and uh, I just and I don't know the exact answer to it. There's some data out there, but what type of lift are your other crops in your rotation giving to by just having them in there? Right. Is having wheat lifting up your corn or your beans five bushels or ten bushels, yeah. or is it not? Yeah. And looking at the ten year average of your fields might get you there, but I, I just encourage people to think that way because, for instance, wheat after field peas does incredible. Wheat yeah. after dry beans does incredible. So your wheat can do better after certain crops. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. Well, we know that other crops do better after your wheat. Yeah, and we're certainly, we're stretching our soybean rotation uh, everywhere in our geography. And the price on the board is kind of begging the farmer to, to push their soybean rotation yet again here this year. Um, and there, there are some not good things 
we haven't spoken at length about soybean cyst nematode. Actually, no, I take that back. Justin and I did on our seed treatment podcast. Uh, you know, it's it's the silent killer of soybeans, and mm-hmm. crop rotation is really the best way to manage the pest. Is to make sure that you're not giving the pest endless food sources to propagate. So, yeah, there's no question that we get a benefit from wheat uh, across our entire rotation, and it's it's worth noting. So, but there's also wheat. Wheat is fun, right? Wheat, wheat is, uh, we all probably consume more wheat in our, in every day, not all of us, but most of us anyway, consume more wheat every day than we do any of, of the crops that we grow. So it's also a bit of the crop of nostalgia, isn't it? Wheat is, is such a crop of nostalgia. You know, I'll, I'll first hit it from the food aspect. We love our wheat because we love eating it in different types of food. And worldwide, wheat is consumed in so many different ways. And I think many of us appreciate that, right? Right now, how are we eating wheat? We're probably eating it in, in a wheat bread sandwich while yeah. we're in the planter planting. And that's a pretty fun way to eat wheat. That's probably our introduction to wheat is, is a, a white loaf of bread. But you go elsewhere, and wheat is used for so many things. Wheat is for pizzas. Who doesn't like having a frozen pizza? Or, for instance, if you're in Italy or Naples having pizza, wheat is important there. Go further abroad. Wheat is the ingredient for flatbreads. Yeah. And it just depends where you're at in the world, what kind of flatbread you're having, right? I'm sort of a flatbread enthusiast. In India, you have chapatis, parantas, naans. I love it. If you go to, uh, you know, a, a little further over to, to China, it's actually not flatbreads, but you have steam buns. Sure. Hard red spring wheat is used for steam buns. You steam this in, in a bamboo steamer and you put, you know, some sort of meat or jelly concoction inside of it. And it's just amazing. Wheat can be used in so many different ways throughout the world. And I think that's what makes it such an important crop that we're growing here because some of our wheat gets made into loaves of bread, but a lot of it gets made into Asian noodles and, and yeah. et cetera. Yeah, and certainly the quality of the North Dakota spring wheat is is something to be desired globally. So uh, that keeps us keeps us relevant. So I've always I've always remembered uh, I, growing up, I think my favorite time of the entire calendar year was like a 9 o'clock 9 p.m. In a, on an August night when there's a, a haze of wheat dust in the field, and it still is. That particular time of the summer as the chill is starting to show up is one of my favorite times of the summer. Um, and I, I think that's true with a lot of our customers as well, a lot of the farmers in our area. they just there's, there's a nostalgia, there's a comfort about wheat that uh, makes it fun to grow. So, And we're here to say it can be profitable too. So please, if, uh, if you are considering some spring wheat here this spring, come in and see us and and uh, if you have any questions for Grant, we can certainly put you in contact with him as well. So, Grant, do you have any? I think we've we've covered what we set out to cover. Do you have any uh, final comments here for our listeners? I might leave you just with one thought for this field season, and it's just think about doing one thing differently in your wheat. It might be an input that costs money. It might be something that's that's free. Just checking seed depth or checking the variety you're growing and double checking it's the best one. Just make one new decision this year. Test it and see if it's going to make you money for 2022. All right. Sounds great. So, Grant, thanks for uh, being with us. And I uh, look forward to doing it again. Maybe, uh, maybe this becomes an annual podcast, Grant. Sound good? That would sound great. Patrick, it's been a pleasure, and there is a lot more wheat content we can get to next time. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us, everybody. See you next time on the Arthur Companies podcast.